0: listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. It's our 100th episode as we discuss Penguin Bloom plus all the latest movie and trailer news.
1: 100 episodes, how exciting. Woo! I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff,
0: and I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist, and
1: we love to talk all things movies. Apparently, 100 Times.
0: Amazing! Uh, This is so exciting. It's
1: awesome. So let's kick off. Uh, We're going to review Penguin Bloom this week, which is a new Australian film, and it tells the story of Sam Bloom, who's a young mother struggling to adapt to life in a wheelchair after a near fatal accident while on holiday leaves her paralyzed. Sam's husband and her three sons are also struggling to adjust to their new situation when a distraction enters their world in the form of an injured, baby magpie they name penguin the bird's arrival also then makes a profound difference in the family's life
0: now penguin bloom is directed by award-winning tv and film director glendon ivan who did the gallipoli tv series and the cry incredible series
1: yeah amazing catalogue of television and film that he's done and we've also got our interview episode with glendon ivan a special interview that you can catch now to listen to
0: The screenplay is by Harry Cripps, who also adapted The Dry, and Sean Grant, who did The True History of the Kelly Gang. And it's based on the best-selling photo book by Cam Bloom and Bradley Trevor Greve.
1: Uh, Penguin Bloom stars Naomi Watts as Sam, Andrew Lincoln as Cam, and Jackie Weaver as Sam's
0: mother. Incredible cast there. So, as we mentioned, the story's adapted from an illustrated book. And given Sean Grant's previous work, you know, the true history of the Kelly gang, I expected a harder-hitting plot from this.
1: Harder-hitting? Mm,
0: it's billed as a family film. Mm. Definitely a family film.
1: I've still found it quite emotional. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the the agony and the anguish that is communicated, especially in the front half of the film, mm. is rife. And that's kind of juxtaposed with the energy that the boys and the family in general have in their previous life before the accident, but then also, you know, three young kids running around muck while Sam is, you know, confided to a wheelchair. So that, um, yeah, that, that impact was quite strong while watching the film.
0: But what I mean is it's a simplistic story, mm. really minimal dialogue. Yeah. Do you think overly so?
1: No, I really leaned into the beautiful cinematography in this. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And I think it worked as a simple story. It was a really nice, simple, beautifully shot and realised, visually striking and evocative uh, Mm. film. But you wanted kind of to get a bit grittier or?
0: I completely agree with the cinematography Mm. and the detail that was in this film. I just thought there was more atmosphere than plot. But it's built from an illustrated book. So, I mean, that could be expected.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I guess it must have been a creative decision to make it as simple as possible. And just to really highlight the messaging about, you know, Sam was grieving her previous Mm. life. She had a very active life. And I think that just through her pensiveness and pondering around, that was kind of then, yeah, her grief about herself and her situation and how she was to move forward was just told in a really simple way.
0: When we meet Sam, it's already a year after her accident. So, we're jumping Mm. in at a really tough point without laying that groundwork, I guess. Mm. She's in a really dark place immediately. You know, as you mentioned, very active outdoors, a keen surfer, a dedicated nurse in her career. But yeah, that's a tough spot to jump into a narrative, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think creatively they tried to catch you up to speed by introducing the voiceover of their eldest son, Noah. Mm. How Did you find that effective?
0: Oh, completely. I really enjoyed that choice to mm. narrate through the eldest child. But I wish that subplot was fleshed out a little bit more because the young actor that played Noah Griffin Murray-Johnson was fantastic and he really could have done a lot with that, especially with Naomi Watts playing against Mm. Naomi Watts. He could definitely hold up to her.
1: I agree that there probably could have been a bit more of a connection between the character of Sam and her boys. I think there was a lot of untapped territory there, especially, as you noted, the beautiful performance uh, from him. There's something really quite beautiful and innocent and powerful by hearing the voice of a child and their interpretation of their situation. He was carrying a lot of pain and a lot of responsibility. And I think an area of his character, which I agree that they probably could have focused on a little bit more was, you know, that human nature to feel responsible for something bad happening. Like he was carrying that about his mother's accident Mm. and that whole really poisonous phrase of what if... Like, what if we didn't go up to that roof where she fell and and broke her back? And what if we didn't go on this holiday? What if Mm. blah, blah, blah? And, you know, it takes you a while to really understand the pain that he was feeling. So there's probably a bit of untapped territory there, maybe. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of meat there, definitely. And Mm. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities in Sam's relationships with her husband and her kids and really fleshing out the pressure that that put on their relationships.
1: Yeah, there wasn't much with the father, was there? No,
0: he's a support role, a a carer for Sam, really. Mm
1: -hmm. So I guess talking about how the pace of the story, how effective did you think Naomi Watts was in kind of betraying her situation, her pain, her inability to kind of accept her scenario and, you know, she was really holding herself back from healing. You can only imagine what this must have been like.
0: Yeah, well, we talked about the minimal dialogue and Mm. Naomi Watts can bring so many layers to a performance without words. There's a reason she's an Oscar-nominated actress. Mm, Twice. What did you think about Andrew Lincoln's performance? Because he's another capable actor.
1: I thought it was good. I felt like you referenced earlier that he was certainly a supporting character. Mm. So we didn't have a great deal of screen time. But I think what this film did really well through the direction and the writing and through Andrew Lincoln's portrayal was representing a family unit. Uh, that were trying to adapt to a scenario. Obviously, they were a very active family and Sam wasn't able to get involved. And I think that he had a great deal of empathy and tenderness towards his wife. He tried to understand and be there and offer her optimism. And I think that he was able to portray and showcase how sometimes you feel incredibly helpless about a situation where you can't do everything for that person, but by gosh, you're trying. And I think he uh, he was very tender about that um, mm. from my perspective. How about you?
0: I think he really shone, especially in mm. the scenes with Jackie Weaver. That's when he really had his time to shine. But I wonder if his performance was hindered a little bit by the accent. Mm. It can be really difficult to do an Australian accent and no shade. He did it quite well, but maybe his performance was a little bit hindered in trying to hit that Australian accent note. Yeah,
1: the the Australian accent is well known to be really hard to nail. And I think Aussies like us can mm. really pick it from a mile away when someone's, you know, failing to do it.
0: But I think he did a great job yeah, there. No, but I, I just I just wonder whether his performance was pulled back a little bit in the effort to hit that accent. Mm. But I think there was a missed opportunity there and really digging deeper into more about how this family was affected as a, as a unit.
1: Yeah. It was only a very short run time. So, there was a choice there to only make it an hour and a half. So, I do agree with you that there was ample time, maybe another 10, 15, 20 minutes that they could have offered that insight into the the family a little bit more in their circumstance over a period of time.
0: Let's talk about the magpie penguin. Penguin. There were a great number of magpies used to bring penguin to life. Yeah. Some animatronic, mostly real. In Australia, let's explain a little bit for our international listeners. In <laughs> Australia, magpies are generally a nuisance. They're very territorial. They swoop at you and it's no mean feat to get an audience to connect with this bird. Yes. And I think they've done a really good job with that.
1: Yes, yeah, springtime in Australia is, uh, yeah, you have to be very careful when walking under certain trees in certain known areas and parts because, yeah, magpies, they're out to get you. But no mean feat, absolutely. But boy, I'm really connected with the performance that Penguin gave, be it through real birds, Mm. uh, the animatronics and and the minimal CGI that they used. And it was interesting that I felt so connected to her. How did you feel? Were you kind of in love with the magpie?
0: Oh, totally. Anything with animals provokes a strong emotional reaction in Mm. me and that's something, you know, I had a few tears during the movie because of that. You get really invested. Yeah. Not just in Sam's story, but in Penguin's story too.
1: It was also a little bit interesting to see a magpie behave in that way but it just went to show the beautiful connection that animals and humans can have even in the most unique circumstances like a bird a magpie that's not really known for being affectionate and hopping on your head and mm-hmm. pinching your tea bags out of your uh, tea cups like like she did for Sam. Mm-hmm.
0: We talk a little bit more about the filming choices and mm. Glendon Ivan's wonderful direction. Speaking of Magpie, it's very interesting that a lot of the shots were from Sam's point of view, yeah. except when Penguin was the focus, and then you know she was soaring, and then you got to see that those heights and spirits lifted. And
1: I think that was a really smart creative choice because it made you as an audience try and understand and put yourself in her in her shoes, so to speak, having the camera at her height, all those things. It, it mm-hmm. gave a sense of claustrophobia. It was like you were living her life with her mm-hmm. and seeing the world from a completely different place. It's quite a unique perspective of the world. And I think that was a really powerful choice. And it made then those bigger, beautiful sweeping shots of the Northern beaches in Australia where this was filmed and it's set. And then when Penguin Goes Flying and all those things, it um, it just added that nice light and shade to the creative.
0: And what people might not realise is that it was actually filmed in Sam and Cam Bloom's actual house, which is A really good choice, I think, as well, to bring that authenticity to the film.
1: Oh, absolutely. It felt very lived in, didn't it? Like it really felt like a family unit and a family house. And why wouldn't you want to shoot it there? That beautiful vantage point, that view, it was just stunning.
0: It just adds an incredible amount of detail to the Mm. film. And I think it's a really good choice. And also Sam and Cam were obviously very involved in the production. So there's Mm. always a weight of responsibility when you have to take on Somebody's story, and especially a harrowing story like this, and an Mm. uplifting story like this, and having the people directly involved so heavily is a really smart choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, they are the best kind of source material that you can have is Mm -hmm. the real life people and to understand their circumstances, situation, how it felt. And I can imagine that that would have been a really powerful resource for the actors. I would say, especially Naomi Watts, in trying to channel the pain, the grief, and then the ultimate feeling and acceptance of a situation in her life and moving forward, mm. uh, being able to communicate with the real Sam Bloom. Can we talk about Rachel House? She, she's she got a very uh, big role in this film mm. and I found that was kind of a, a really pivotal moment in the story that turned it from this, you know, just dripping in this grief mm. and, and it was kind of like part of Sam's journey to take those next steps and I found her performance and her character immediately approachable and her humour, just kind of that beautiful relationship blossomed. Mm. I wish we saw more of that because apparently they're actually very good friends in real life. Mm. The character of Gay... And, and Sam, so I, I kind of wanted more than that, but maybe I've we've, we both have this bit of love affair with Rachel House anyway at the moment, so.
0: Oh yeah, she's fantastic, and we're yeah. used to seeing her in a lot of really big comedic roles, mm. supporting Taika Waititi films, Hunt for the Wilder People, yeah. Thor, she's in that beautiful film, um, Ellie and Abby and Ellie's Dead aunt. Yes, we saw recently, and that gave us a bit of a glimpse into what she can really do dramatically. Yeah. And in this one, again, it's a lighter role. It is a, a bit of not comedic relief, but she's a friendly face and a bit of uplifting support.
1: Yeah, she was real. She needed to yeah. be that real voice, that kind of encouragement for Sam and going, don't tell me you can't do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just a really beautiful um, message to, to portray as part of this gorgeous story.
0: Yeah, and I really enjoyed Rachel House's performance in mm-hmm. doing that and seeing that she can pull it back and she can really deliver a nuanced, fantastic performance.
1: Yeah. So, Lee, do you think we're ready to rate Penguin Bloom?
0: Penguin Bloom really highlights how life can change in the blink of an eye. And I know that my husband and I had a couple of conversations after that about, you know, what would you do in this situation? So, it gets people talking. And it's a really beautifully crafted film visually. As I mentioned, I would have liked to have seen more subplots and relationships fleshed out, but it doesn't take away from how uplifting and moving the true-to-life story is. And I'm going to give it three popcorn kernels.
1: Nice. Yeah, I was deeply moved by this film. I think I agree with you in certain areas that there was more – that we could have seen and fleshed out because I think the characters were just such beautiful people and you wanted to kind of follow their journey, not only just Sam's, but all the other family members and friends that were affected by her situation and ultimately wanted to get her out of the darkness. And I think that that darkness was so beautifully portrayed by Naomi Watts and uh, you know the position of the camera and all those choices were really effective and for me personally very surprised by my connection with the magpie Um, and I think it was just really cleverly captured and I can only imagine the challenges that would have been as filmmakers to bring out such a performance from an animal. There's always challenges mm. there. And I really loved the use of the voiceover with the eldest son in Noah. I thought that was a really beautiful uh, poetic way of kind of communicating uh, emotion. And this film is about healing and where you can find uh, unexpectedly those areas, those people those connections uh, to get you through uh, a really tough time.
0: And how important a connection to nature is. I yes. found that really wonderful.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was very, very, very strong in this film, absolutely. And in closing, like how I found this film so visually striking was in the credits, they show the real photography mm. um, and it just made so much sense that how the filmmakers – got so much inspiration from the real life bloom family and how they so stunningly were able to capture that in the in the medium of film so there was a great amount of source material and i think it was a really well realized beautiful film ultimately so i'm gonna rate penguin bloom three and a half popcorn kernels
0: penguin bloom is in australian cinemas now make sure you go and check it out
1: all right, Lee. So, should we launch straight into our movie news section of this 100th episode of Popcorn Podcast? Might just throw that back in again. Very exciting. Can you tell? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Warner Brothers have greenlit a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory prequel, simply titled Wonka, with an expected release of March 2023. Apparently, Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet.
0: His name are, cracks me up. Shamalamalai.
1: <laughs> Malala bing uh, bang. Are reportedly the top pickings of director Paul King for the title role. So Wonka will tell the story of Willy Wonka's life before opening his famous chocolate factory and luring children into danger for fun and shenanigans.
0: I like that description. <laughs> luring children into danger for fun and shenanigans. I think
1: shenanigans is such a perfect way to encapsulate Willy Wonka as a character. And how do you... Th- feel about Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet as potential, you know, actors to take on this huge responsibility.
0: I think Timothy Chalamet can do a really great job with it. I'm mm. not sure about Tom Holland. Yeah. Not that he can't do a good job, but I just don't see him in that role.
1: Yeah, I think t- Timothy is probably my my pick of the bunch there. Mm. Personally, I agree.
0: But Hollywood love a prequel, don't they?
1: They really, really do. Uh, this interests me, though. Like, I'm curious. I think there's a story there. However, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the, I think it was 2005, Tim Burton version that starred Johnny Depp, they kind of already delved into his pre-chocolate factory life. So I'm interested to see how they do differently in that space.
0: Now, sadly, Tim, No Time to Die has been delayed again until October. The 25th Bond outing was one of the first major films to be pushed when the pandemic took hold last year. And we can expect Black Widow will likely suffer the same fate. I really hope that it doesn't, but mm. with WandaVision already hitting Disney Plus, they can't afford to push too many more Marvel titles because they all fit into the universe. They all follow each other. So yeah. she might be forced to hit Disney Plus. And I really hope they don't diss Natasha like that. She deserves so much better.
1: Yeah. She's we've waited so long and the character of Natasha Romanoff has waited so long to get her own film. And yeah, that would just be um really, really disappointing. Mm. Now, Sony and Universal have also pushed some of their big releases. Uh, Let's list them out. We've got Cinderella, Nobody, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and Peter Rabbit sequel, and Uncharted. Now, at this stage, the moves are just a few months rather than a year, like we'd experienced, you know, throughout 2020, Fast and Furious sequel, Mm. No Time to Die. They all shifted like a year in one big slog um, at the height of the pandemic. So hopefully it stays just as this kind of like little nudging down the 2021 calendar
0: fingers crossed speaking of movies that have been moved tim bios i didn't even know this existed to be honest has also shifted by a few months from april to august it's a sci-fi movie that stars tom hanks as a guy living in a post-apocalyptic world who builds a robot to watch over his dog and then of course the robot learns about love and what it means to be human i feel like we've heard this story before
1: yeah bicentennial man you know, robot learning about love. I don't think there was a robot dog. but No,
0: AI as well.
1: AI, yeah, that's a stunning film, Steven Spielberg movie. But no dog. No dog. So, uh, this is an original story about a robot dog and we're here for it. And Tom Hanks, <laughs> come on.
0: <laughs> so, I think that's it for news for our 100th episode, Tim.
1: How many times have we mentioned that this is our 100th episode, Lee?
0: In case you didn't know, it's our 100th episode.
1: And uh, also, just one more thing to add, um, it's our 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You look really good for 100, Tim.
1: (laughs) Why, thank you. I moisturise daily. (laughs) We love your support. We so appreciate it. As we uh, continue to say, we've got really exciting things in the works for this year and celebrate with us 100 episodes. Bring on the next 100, Lee. What do you reckon?
0: Oh, fantastic. Can't wait. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Catch you next time.
0: Come and join us in the conversation on Facebook. Facebook. Like our page at popcornpodcastau and follow us on Instagram at popcornpodcast. We'd love to hear what you think about these movies.